0: Hello, adventurers. I want to take a moment to tell you that all our content can now be found uninterrupted and commercial-free on Apollo Plus. Apollo Plus is a subscription-based service that enhances your audio fiction experience with ad-free access to your favorite shows and exclusive content, while at the same time supporting us all as creators to keep bringing you quality content. Please take a moment to check out Apollo Plus at apollopods.com or download the app in your Google or Apple app stores. Again, that's Apollo Plus, your new home for quality audio fiction. Dawn of Dragons, season three, episode eight, Chasing Destiny.
1: I have to admit, I thought you'd be more, well, strong.
2: Huh. Haven't heard that one before.
0: The meeting room was a 20-foot cold marble room with blue and green tapestries on the east side of the second floor. Lord Alvar believed this was the best place to discuss the strange arrival of their new guests and the curious nature of their visit. Lord Alvar noted the long oaken table for the first time in memory was actually full. Sitting center of one side, in an ornately carved high-backed chair, was Zoran, who now he knew was the estranged son of Lord Pallas, also a sailor, thief, and gambler.
1: So, you are here to meet Zoran, because a higher power told you to. <laughs> yeah, I'm not too sure I believe that.
0: Yeah, you kidding? Even Benedict would have a hard time believing that. <sighs> if he were here. Zorn was uncomfortable. It wasn't often, if ever, he was thrust into the spotlight. On the right of him sat Sophie, the beautiful and deadly sword for hire, who carried the soul of his best friend and her lover entwined with her own. Next to her sat white-robed Cordelia, with two other mages, Rue in a deep blue robe, and Bellenial, in her red robes. Hmm. I would be curious as to what this voice is,
2: as well as what they say. Brew and Bellinia, have you ever encountered something like this in your studies?
3: No. No, Vix, I, I haven't.
1: No. Voices are rarely a good thing, in my experience. Have you, Vix?
2: Once. But, as you say, it was not a good thing.
0: Ah! Voices. Across from the mages sat Vix the Chaotic, and Scottmere, the dwarven barbarian who was greedily eating the remains of a stewed chicken, plucking it with his fingers. The whole time he never took his eyes off of Una and Dabria, who sat next to him.
3: Ah. So, again, for clarity of your purpose, you came here seeking out Zorin because of his father.
0: At one end of the table between Zorin and Dabria sat Sir Caleb, now decorated as a knight major in Lord Alvar's second-in-command, who, as the host of this unlikely meeting, sat at the other end of the table, one hand calmly placed upon his chin, regarding the Dark Visitors with suspicion, but taking care not to judge them too hastily.
2: They came here of their own accord. Why would a decorated Centurion of the Dark Army and their Shadow Oracle come here willingly?
1: I have said that- Wait. No need to repeat yourself, my sister. We must show them our purpose aligns with his. Yes.
2: How do you know my purpose? I don't even know my purpose.
1: It's true. He doesn't.
2: Jeez, you don't have to be like that.
3: Look at me.
0: Una's eyes were wide, and the torches of the room burned blue-green as she spoke reflecting off her eyes, but also blazing from within.
1: Dabria, tell them why we walk the same path.
0: What
2: path?
1: Revenge. For as long as I've remembered, I, well, we, lived in the far south of Troll, in the city of volcanoes. Enrook. Enrook is like a living hell of sorts fire and sulfurous smoke constantly belching into the red sky, constant heat. <laughs> Great place to live if you're a cobalt or an orc.
0: No! Get back in line! We show no weaknesses. We try discipline at the end of a whip!
1: Una and I were trained here for our roles in the army. Una was a seer, could see visions. I see your dream. Your forearms winding, turning slowly in a blue sea. The voice in her head was unnerving. It knew my dreams or things about me that were true, but I I didn't know or didn't remember. I was trained as the feared mistress of pain. My tolerance was much higher than my peers, and I also had a knack for tactical leadership. Soon, they feared me.
2: Yes, well.
3: She does well, doesn't she, Nightblade?
1: Yes. She's unquestionably powerful. The Dark Lord heaped his blessings on me as I was ruthless, and I soon became... close associates with one of his lieutenants. The dark-eyed blade master known as Nightblade. We were inseparable working in concert with each other both on the battlefield and but Una was the one person I could remember the longest at least she worked with the Dark Lord directly she gave him the visions he seeked and over time those visions changed
0: the stone slabs of the granite walls dripped slightly from heat and humidity The yellow-green liquid glowed from within, a cauldron on the fire. A gaunt man in black armor and a midnight blue cloak lined with fur looked into the reflection on the surface with great anticipation. His own features were aged, wrinkled with papery parchment-like skin pulled tight over his high cheekbones in yellow-gray sheets. Clear, pale gray eyes Drew back starkly from a head of long, wiry, gray hair.
3: Yes, oh, now tell me more. If we take the emerald at all, will it aid in the assault on shrouded Viridian? Is this the way to the fairy man's gate?
1: I see. I see much death in your favor, my lord. But the spirit tells me. No! Betrayer!
2: What? What did you say to me?
3: Betrayer!
0: Una lunged at him, with her hands outstretched, clawing frantically for his throat, uh, uh, screaming. Yeah!
2: Yeah! God, get her out of here! Uh,
3: mm, let's go! Come on! Let's go! We we'll leave! Yeah.
2: Put the dog back in
3: her kennel Betrayer! No! Betrayer!
1: That event, and those following, would prove to change both Una and I forever. A few days later, I left with Nightblade to the Emerald Atoll south of Viridian. We were accompanied by the Blue Dragons, led by Cobalt
2: my fellow
1: dragon follow me are you ready for this? I I believe so I was excited to lead my new legion for the first time I was ready to show once again to the dread lord I was worthy of my station but more so to prove to my night blade. she was everything to me Our assault was, as Una had foreseen, bloody. I will save details of that day for another time, perhaps. But I assure you, it was a massacre. They stood no chance against us. But one of ours fell. Nightblade. We took her body back for burial. I stayed with her body on board the ship for 20 days as we sailed back. I prayed for her rest, I cared for her peace. We as warriors, even as lovers, had said goodbye daily, never knowing if this would be the time or not. It was her time and part of me hated her for it. I was here, I was still here. Alone. When we returned, I prepared the warrior's pyre for her. She lay in her polished midnight blue armor, the emblazoned skull of our legion prominent on her chest, her trusted longsword held in both hands, her eyes finally at peace. Then the Dread Lord approached me what my lord what brings you here
2: now what do you plan to do with
1: nightblade she will be sent to the afterlife as a hero and warrior my lord as she always wished
2: oh but she's perfect
1: he walked passed me to her body.
2: <laughs> perfect, my sweet night blade. Uh, now you will be perfect.
3: <laughs> Dabria,
2: leave this place.
1: I was ordered away, and over the next few nights I wondered what was happening. What he had planned what he had executed he took her from me the battle took her once but he took her again and I hated him for it I hated his army I hated his war and looked to where it started palace lord palace in his obsidian fortress Una and I began to conspire we heard about a son of his, one who was looking to seek revenge. This proved promising enough for us to desert our company. Of course, with enough of a lead in time to buy us a month or two, before they realized what we had done.
0: Huh. Okay. Zorn and the table took this all in. The story ringed true. Well, as far as he could tell. And he was known for spinning some pretty elaborate yarns himself.
2: What exactly do you propose?
1: That you come with us to Whitford. From there we could learn more about the lies Decian and Palace have woven. Troll. Yes. You have been
2: I was a sailor for many years. That was one of our three main ports for the Southland Trade Route. <laughs> Makes sense, it's the only one this group hasn't been to yet. And I do have an old friend there who might be able to help.
1: We will find much more in Whitford. Much more.
0: As Una released, the torches resumed their yellow-orange glow. Everyone looked at each other nervously, all except Rue, who was fascinated with the display of power. As everyone looked around the room, the still shadow of Erlen shifted his feet as he leaned against one wall next to the sleeping form of Lorvana Birdsong, curled up in some random blankets on a soft padded chair.
3: Well, you aren't going without
0: me.
1: Nor I. Brew, Millennial, would you accompany us?
2: Actually, we were talking earlier. About the possibility of my telling at the library?
1: Yes, we were speaking of that. And the answer is no. To both of you.
3: what? We believe, Fix. You need to take time and look for where you draw your magic from. We all draw it from within ourselves. But your source, that wellspring, is sour. We recommend you return to the Silver Maple Woods. Outrageous!
2: Fine. As it is on the way, I will ride with this caravan of fools as far as the forest. Then, we will part ways. Well, if we're gonna stop in the Silver Maple Woods, I'd like to take a well-earned rest while we're there.
0: They have some great wine. The party enjoyed the journey to the Silver Maple Woods that were at the northern border of Troll and more so the time spent in the hot springs, relaxing with sweet-smelling trees. They got to the outpost owned by Vash a few days later and continued down the road in his cart delivering supplies. Hello back there. We're approaching Whitford. Hopefully y'all find what you need and Scott Meir didn't drink all of my wine. <laughs> the sun beat into the side of the large covered wagon from the left of the driver as they wound the gentle slope into the town of Whitford. Sitting next to the driver was Lorvana strumming a tune on her lute as they continued down the road. The driver looked down From the dark green hood of his cloak and his bow resting between them noting the quiver of arrows close by and smiling in approval one couldn't be too careful these days the four ox at the front were bred for such a load and the combination of seven travelers and the load of sweet spiced wine and wheat was no challenge for them though one could say a weight lifted for all but the ox when vix left the group.
3: Ah, great. I would love to get a better rest than the one on the side of the road for once. Though, Bash does have some good wine, that's for sure. Thanks.
2: Ooh,
0: careful now, Scott Mare. You started to sound like Vix.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's gonna take some getting used to him not being around. Not for me.
3: Haha. <laughs> Yeah, I know he wasn't the nicest guy, but he's got family there, I guess. I wish him the best. It shouldn't be too bad for him there, I hope.
1: Well, sometimes you have to choose your family. That's true. Scottmere,
3: how about you?
0: Plan on seeing any family soon? Scottmere thought of the parting words with his father and his brother. They probably didn't care about him. Why should he care about them? He and Sophie smiled at each other,
3: knowing them. my family is right here.
0: The Severed Serpent Inn, best in Whitford from what Zorn remembered, a smile crept across his face when after walking through the beaded doorway he saw Boric turn and kneel in front of the counter patching the dark walnut wood with a sticky tar Boric, the bartender, was someone he knew well and was a friend away from home many a time. Boric, you ugly dog. (laughs) Cordelia was caught a bit off guard expecting an ugly dog as the seven and a half foot tall, androgynous individual stood and smiled gracefully. Their blue-green skin was smooth around eyes of deepest purple. A soft mane of dark blue hung down the middle of their back loosely bound with a silver seashell. They wore a cream shirt with a dark black apron. The most important was the genuine smile of recognition. (laughs) I thought I smelt a rotten fish enter my bar. (laughs) Zorin, what can I get you, my friend? Oh, it's good to be back. I would like some lodging for the night, as well as a round, I believe. Only the best for you.
3: And I might say it's good to see you. So, betting is... same cost as always. Just you know, need a few more rooms this time, it seems. But unless you're ready to turn in this early, let's get some drinks. What can I get you?
1: Yes, uh, some wine, please. Ew. Some wine.
0: And the young lady in the dark robe. What?
1: Uh.
0: Una looked nervously at Dabria, almost as if a child asking permission.
1: Wine. Oh! I'll just have a spiced wine, too, please.
0: Boric smiled at the halfling bard, who was enthusiastically waving her hand. Of course,
3: my new friend. And what is your name?
1: Mulvana Birdsong, traveling minstrel.
3: A minstrel? Excellent! Would you be willing
0: to indulge this room of scallywags and barbarians with some songs about heroic deeds of days gone by?
1: Of course. I would love to help.
0: And thus it began. Boric began serving up drinks to their table located between the bar and the stage itself. Cordelia and Lorvana took the stage performing classic and well-known heroic songs. Zoran noted the smell was what he had remembered, a mix of stewed peppers and beef sweetened by the spice wine. This overpowered the stale beer that permeated many taverns he had visited. As the afternoon played into the evening, he heard voices talking in the dark, talking about drinking the gunpowder rum, as he had remembered.
3: You no, know, it's true. They're mustering now. Impossible. No one wants to go there. It's haunted. I'm going, Tal. Better to die on my feet
0: than serve like a dog. Whoa there, Mincio. I <clears throat> Excuse me, I... couldn't help but overhear about... a revolution? May I harbor a guess it's Lord Pallas? The two men stopped and regarded the sailor with a wary eye. You don't need to know. Mancio, come on. He knows Boric. Boric looked over and raised their eyebrows, and smiled, nodding at the statement. Pardon, Mancio. To the northwest of here. Supposedly someone is mustering a force. Boric, do you know anything about this? I can tell you they are righteous. I can't join up, but what if I could? Boric, can I talk to you a moment? Zorn met them at the edge of the bar out of earshot of the other two who were still arguing with each other.
3: Who's leading this revolution? Zorin, I need you to swear to me that you would stand up for those that would oppose Lord Pallas and all the dread Army.
2: Of course, my friend.
0: I... He hesitated, then thought better of burdening his friend with another truth. It was better he didn't know about Pallas being his father. I hate that man. Then come with me. Boric led Zorin behind the twin massive kegs of the bar to a slight halt made of old, chipped brick. Coming finally to a door at the end of the hall. They knocked. Red rides at dawn. The door unlocked, allowing them entry. Stepping into the 15-foot square room, there was a map on the table and a few ledgers to either side, listing supplies, arms, and the names of... militia members. Behind the table were... (laughs) Benedict? Benedict?
2: <laughs>
0: hello, Zorin. Ha! <Huh? laughs> you have good timing. <laughs> hey, hello, lad! <laughs> Raising an army. Ha! Huh. Well, first, you take back this leader thing. And where do we sign up?
2: Nigh me, Vix the Chaotic, you ingrate, you filthy, snot-nosed badger. Lord Alvar is played by
3: Mike Kinker.
1: Millennial is played by Cheyenne Bramwell.
3: Benedict Shieldhard, played by Brian Dowling. Boric is played by Tyler Cauldron. Caleb is played by Ned Donovan.
1: Cobalt is played by Ellie Gossage. Cordelia Shieldheart is played by Jolene Frescus.
3: Lexorn. Commoner 3 is played by Joseph Duncan.
1: Dabria is played by JD Rose.
3: Dekion is played by Matthew Bianchi.
1: Elaviv Hawklight is played by Jessica Atchley.
3: Sam Weigel from the World Forge podcast.
1: Lorvana Birdsong is voiced by Cara Danvers. Nightblade Blade is played by Daphne Bickler.
3: Rue is played by David S. Deer. Gottmere Flintgrove played by Colton Jansen.
1: Sophie is played by Sarah Jenkins. Trainer is played by Elric
3: Timothy Otteson.
1: Una is played by Becky Atchley.
3: Vash is played by Barrett Giant.
1: Vix the Chaotic,
2: played by Daniel Nichols, from the Happy-Go-Lucky podcast. Zoran, played by
0: Cody Miller. And I'm Mike Ashley, your narrator and the voice of Keldor. Thanks to our patrons, Haley Munoz, Daniel Nichols, Jolene Fresquez, Brian Dowling, Colin Holmes, and Corey Fouch. You too can support the show by joining our Patreon. Stay tuned as we seek to reclaim Garnet Keep. Until then, remember the oath.
3: This is Daniel Storm, host of the RPG Radio Show. On our show, a group of actors take part in an epic tabletop fantasy adventure. Their words will shape our story, chapter by chapter, into an immersive audio experience. We use sounds to enhance our combat, magic, and scenery. Our story takes place in the vast world of Sildum, a planet-spanning continent full of magic, mystery, and adventure. It's been 1147 years since the end of the Eclipse War. The High Beacon presides over an empire that governs all of Sildum. There is peace, but it is tenuous. Dark forces stir in the shadows. I know how our story starts, but only the characters can decide how it ends. Their words and actions will alter the fate of Sildum. Search for the RPG Radio Show wherever podcasts are available. Join us. An adventure is taking shape.